Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast with you. As always, is Bob live in the lounge staring at the Ouija board. Super stoked today to have my neighbor on the show. He's a musician. He's a percussionist and he's just an all around nice guy. I've known him for the better part of almost a decade now. And, you know, he keeps uh, telling me about new projects that he's excited about. He's a he's a writer. He's a musician. And I think I mentioned he's a great neighbor. So with that being said, you know, he told me about this new band called Shades of Green. And I was very excited to hear the music today on the podcast. We're going to have um, Scott Silver. We're going to have Jim Briggs and we're going to have uh, Pat O'Shea himself, the members of Shades of Green here tonight on the Bobcast. How are you guys doing? Great, All right. Good. Thanks, Bob. So uh, Shades of Green, um, you know, it started out basically from from what I read online. You guys were inspired by a book that Pat had um, written a few years ago uh, based upon a father son relationship um, with poetry called Conversations We've Never Had. Scott, what can you tell me about um, the creative process um, as it relates towards that book and Shades of Green? Well, uh, certainly Pat is going to tell us a little bit about, you know, his inspiration and maybe the concept of the book itself. Um, I'd say, you know, all of us around the globe have been certainly influenced, you know, by it. Maybe I'm overshooting a little bit, <laughs> but that's okay. the plan. So I know I was certainly um, touched and influenced by the, the nature of it, just the sheer concept of it, even before I opened up the first page. Um, the premise of it. I'd, I'd rather him tell a little bit of, you know, the, the groundwork of that. Maybe yeah, lay, lay the groundwork first, Pat, real quick. Tell us exactly what the book is about. All right. Uh, the book is a father-son poetry book. Uh, my dad was a railroad conductor by trade, but he was a poet uh, at heart. And uh, he died young. He was uh, 24 years old and he died in a car accident. I was five. Uh, that was my first day of kindergarten. Uh, so that's kind of how this started out. And uh, the guys at the railroad, you know, they didn't know he was a poet. Uh, you know, because if you work on the railroad and you say, hey, guys, I wrote this poem, uh, you know, you're going to get punched in the face, uh, especially back in the 70s. So he uh, he had this old suitcase that he took on, you know, traveling the country in the caboose. Uh, he was a railroad conductor for Penn Central Railroads. And, uh, you know, he just wrote this poetry. Uh, he was, you know, he died young, but he was an old soul. And uh, my mother and I had always talked about, you know, someday we have to, we have to publish this somehow. Uh, and then back in about 2007 or so, I got the idea uh, yeah, to write this book with him. You know, I had his poetry. I read through everything and then I, I got a revelation that this would be cool if one page was my dad's. And then I wrote a response to that because uh, I've also been a poet, you know, off and on throughout my life. When I feel strong about something, you know, that's a way I would write something down just just in a personal way. Uh, mm -hmm. And same thing with my dad. Uh, not we, did, we never wrote to necessary to publish. Uh, but when I got this idea and put this together, I had so many people. I took the manuscript uh, to a college professor at Penn. I took the manuscript to Scott Silver. I took it to a variety of people from different walks of life to get an opinion on it before I published it. Because I didn't know if it was just personal to me uh, or, if, you know, a broader audience would enjoy it. So the whole book is every page is a conversation, something my dad wrote. 
and then a response that either I wrote to him directly or just something I wrote over the years that was the same vibe mm-hmm. uh, by chance of something that he wrote. Uh, so that's why it's called Conversations We Never Had, because I got to know my dad uh, 30 years after he died. And that's, you know, that's the premise to the book. Uh, and then Scott, you know, got the inspiration. Uh, we've all played together in various mm-hmm. musical situations. Uh, and over the pandemic, he was inspired to start writing songs from it. I saw some videos of you guys during the pandemic where you were doing, you know, you guys really nailed it, too, because like to get the sound of a, a band live um, with all the different screens going on. It's tough and tedious. Um so I, I'm really inspired by that whole story because it's like, I think I've, I've interviewed several bands uh, on the podcast and I never had a band definitively tell me exactly where the music came from. So I just want to say congratulations to you guys because that's like, it like made me like, I never knew that about you, neighbor. You know, I didn't know. Um, my son's five and my son's in your house right now enjoying dinner um, and I just can't imagine that loss, you know, like it's it's tragic when we lose somebody. And I really do think that there is something to be said about music and how it translates with memory of like someone that goes like there's a song that reminds you of somebody, you know. Could you speak to, uh, to that at all, Jim? Oh, I don't know if I if I really, you know, I, it's, I think it's one of those things you have to experience before you really have a perspective on it. But, you know, I think we've. I think we've come to know Pat and Pat's father a little bit through, you know, through the book. We, you know, we'd had the book and we'd been, you know, we'd been familiar with the poetry for, um, you know, for, for a long time. I think that if, frankly, if it kind of hadn't been the pandemic that kind of slowed us, you know, slowed everything down. You know, I don't know if we would have gotten started on the project as we, you know, we found ourselves with a fair amount of time. Uh, you know, there, were, there were basically no gigs for almost a year. Um, and I, I don't know where the where to where start exactly, but I remember Scott coming to me and saying, "Hey, I think it'd be cool if we did some songs, you know, you know, using the using the the poems in the book." And so we all kind of ran off to our corners and and, and started to do things. Scott, of course, was like he had like six of them before any of us even you know uh, got logged on the next day. But um, but I think it was you know it was great. It was a chance for us to sort of stick together and um, you know and and work on stuff even when we weren't. Um, even though we, you know, even when we were performing, um, and it was, and it was cool. And it was, and it was a challenge to put the songs together, I think, because a lot of them, there, there are two voices in the songs. It's, you know, the, the, the father's voice, and the son's voice, and sometimes they agree. And sometimes they're, they're, they're really got bringing two different perspectives to it. And we're trying to be faithful. Um, you know, you know, we're trying to keep, you know, if we can, all of the words exactly the same while still, you know, um, not explicitly saying to the audience, "Hey, this is two; these are two voices, or this is two, you know, two different perspectives." Um, and uh, so it was a great experience to bring us as a band together, and also hopefully um, bring a new perspective on the on the poetry at the same time. Yeah, it's really cool because it's like uh, you know how like there's like uh, what do they call it uh, concept albums? You know, like uh, you that's know, definitely the- it. But it's like a concept band in a way, you know, like it's different, you know, like where it's got its own unique creative direction. Uh, I want to talk. I miss playing live. I I know you guys. I could tell like just from meeting. I mean, you two gentlemen that you both enjoy it very much. So 
one of the things that I like to talk about on my show is not like the 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 you know the greatest gigs ever, but the gigs where just like something goes haywire, something goes wrong, you know, like <laughs> there's always a funny story. And uh, I guess we'll start with Pat and then we'll go around the room. Um, Pat will share a story, then Scott and then Jim and then we'll we'll move on. Pat, what can you tell me about a time things just went haywire as you're about to like, you know, hit the, the skins behind the, the kit? Uh, yeah, just off the top of my head, the first thing that comes to my mind is we Shades of Green were playing an Irish gig. I think it was McGillicuddy's. And uh, out of nowhere, someone requested a police song. Uh, so, which we all love the police, but, you know, you have to know the song and someone's got to be able to sing it. Uh, we normally do message in a bottle with one of the female singers that we work with, uh, but she wasn't on this gig. So uh, somebody in the band, I can't remember if it was Scott or Eric uh, <laughs> said, uh, well, I know, I know this, I know a song we can do. Um, Scott, what was the name of the song? <laughs> Ironically, we just came from dinner and the last song that was played on the radio was Driven to Tears by the Police. <laughs> wow, that, well, that's crazy. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, I, they had specifically asked, asked for Driven to Tears at an Irish, on St. Patrick's Day. Because of the, okay. all the most <laughs> Irish bands, the police come to mind. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, I have great respect for Stuart Copeland's drumming and I'm like, Listen, I'm not going to wing a police song, but after the break, I'll play it. So I go out and I'm sitting on the street corner during the break with my cell phone to my head. And, uh, you know, then I went back in and we played Driven to Tears. It was it was awesome. Luckily, that's one of wow. the easier drum parts, uh, <laughs> you know, for me to uh, fake through. Uh, that's dedication. But I wasn't, oh, we yeah, pulled it off. What about you, Scott? Oh, man. Well, you know, I'm constantly reminded every other gig when strings break and always having to figure out, can I get through the song, which is, you know, in whatever fashion or or find some creative way to change guitars in that in that realm. You know, we had um, we actually the, we're playing at Kelly Center this Saturday, everybody mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, to promote this music more. And uh, the first time we had been there with this project uh, about a year ago. Uh, I just remember we had just, in our minds, absolutely killed it on this one particular scorcher. Um, <laughs> I forget which tune, you know. And, you know, there was that immediate, like, yeah, look at each other, like, yeah, that was cool. And then it's, like, dead silent. And then there's, like, one guy out of nowhere. You got to turn up the guitar. Oh. Full mood. I was like, come on, man. That's the worst. I, it's better than, hey, man, you got to turn down the guitar. Or no, hey, uh, can you turn down your whole band? I've been told, asked yeah. that before. Like, turn down like our life force. Like, what are you talking about? When's the main act coming on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you guys also juggle, so none of that happened. Oh, uh, when's the main act coming on? <laughs> that one strikes me. Uh, Jim, what about you? <laughs> what about you? Um, I, I, I guess one of the things that sort of stands out. With with, with, the, with the gigs that we do is trying to gauge like how Irish is this audience? You know, what can you, what can you do with these folks? And mm -hmm. sometimes I think we, we put Wild Rover really early in the set list to see how many people clap during the, uh, during the chorus. Um, if people are clapping, you know, they got that, they got the, there's a particular clapping that goes along with the chorus that yeah. if people either, they either know it or they don't. And that's a good way to sort of take the temperature of the room. And then we know whether or not we can actually put 
Scottish songs into the uh, into the rotation or whether they'll pick up on that. So, if they're drunk uh, enough, then the difference between like, you know, like in the second set, if it's blending the traditional styles. Right. So, can, so, we put the, can we put the Fratellis in there? Can we put the can we put the Proclaimers in there? Is anybody going to notice? Um, it's kind of an, uh, unsa- uh, an unsaid thing amongst bands that like most bands have that one song to uh as you said gauge the temperature of the room you know to see if it's going to be uh a lively bunch or you know like i some gigs like it's the worst when um like uh like the, the ending of the song just doesn't translate and like they're like they don't understand like if they should clap or so i've seen that before and that's just the worst for the room um but as you guys continue to play like um sets and stuff like that i mean you know like the energy just builds and builds um for the listeners out there who haven't had a chance to see exactly what the energy is that i'm speaking of right now on the pop on the podcast let's uh take a listen to in my mind by shades of green In some unknown faraway land In my mind, no one there to wreck or hassle My mental fortress of golden sand In my mind, I'm gonna build me a cabin Way back in the woods In my mind, where the buses don't run And the air is still good I should feel lonely In my mind I may invite a friend for tea It's gonna be a fine place to see In my mind now the cabin is near a lake Oh, fed by clear mountain streams In my mind filled with brook trout And lined with hemlock trees
here on the show. Uh, I really do love that track. Um, Pat sent me a bunch of tracks earlier in the week. And um, of course, like I'm such a musical junkie, I was curious as to the recording process. And um, I found out from Pat tonight that it was just right up the road. Um, what's the name of the studio again, Pat? Morning Star. So you guys went there and, you know, I just like I love the whole idea of the recording process. And it sounds like you guys, you know, have been playing for a long time together. Most important thing for you guys is drum and bass right off the bat. For which guys? <laughs> for the drum yeah. and bass. You're going to say that drum and bass is most important? <laughs> I mean, like when you're. Yeah, I, it is really. I mean, think about it. right? Well, I mean, like you can't really do anything else in the recording process. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, <laughs> it's certainly playing the ground. I got, I got what you guys said. <laughs> I got the joke now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as the recording process goes, what can you tell me about these tracks that I just heard? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times, you know, um, we'll go in and the idea is you want the foundation and foundation certainly going to be bass and drums. So a lot of times what Jim and I will do is we'll do what's called scratch tracks mm -hmm. that oftentimes is guitar and or vocal, whatever it takes to get, the bass and drums the most solid the drums in particular you know you need that foundation there mm -hmm. everything can be built upon it the bass locks into it ideally so you certainly want that to have a kinetic nature with the drums and percussion and everything pat will come back and, and lay you know depending upon the style that we're looking for a spoon solo down you know um mm -hmm. instruments that we've never seen in our life that sound like a marching band or somebody getting whipped he could talk about that later so yeah, I mean, you know, we, we were just in the studio this past week and the idea was to get their parts down first. And I was, you know, there, there's multiple guitar layers that occur, you know, which is um, for those out there, you may have um, a strummy kind of section in there. And then, well, and that's yeah, hard. that is a good point. Um, but if you're laying it down, you pick the most important thing to get their parts down first. And then you, you can't really preserve it because the parts are so distinctly different. You may ultimately do it on different instruments in that regard. And mm -hmm. then, oh, you got to sing with it. So I'm in a room playing multiple guitar parts, singing the part mm -hmm. as well. Microphones are doing what's called bleeding into one another, especially with acoustic instruments. Guitars going in the vocal mic and vice versa. So and that's part of that's part of the process. You know, a lot of people take that for granted and just accept what they hear in the end. But there's things that actually go down in the beginning that end up on the uh, proverbial cutting floor. Yeah, the scratch tracks. Isn't the worst though when you get something on the scratch track that you want to replicate and you can't? Like, I've had that happen before, and it's just like ah, you know, it's like you pick them and you choose them. But um, the whole recording process. I mean, I wish that. I mean, I I had a recording studio at home just to do it all the time. You know, because it's just endless. Like there's things you could do now. Have Have any of you uh, gentlemen ever recorded on reel to reel? I have not. Well, college. In college, you did? In Temple, I was a communications major for a little bit. And oh, we cool. actually did reel-to-reel -reel and splicing. I, I want one. I want a reel-to-reel -reel machine. One. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> It'd be fun. That's, it like, has more like a, that's like wanting a classic car. You know, you want one until you have one. And then you realize what a pain in the ass it is. Yeah. I mean, so what does it take now to be a classic car in Pennsylvania? It's only like 25 years, right? So that means my... Yeah, 20 years. 80, 20 years will do it. but 20? So if yeah. you had like an 85 Toyota Tercel, you could get a, a classic license plate on there and just run it to the ground with no emissions and just keep on. An, an 85 is an antique. That's crazy, right? <laughs> Nobody yeah, does that. Funny, though, right? People are driving all the cars that you remember, you know, lusting after in high school and they're antiques. Yeah, it is wild. 
I missed my, my like, what was your first car ever? Uh, my first car was a, uh, was a Mercury Montego, which was sort of uh, the, the sister car to the Ford Torino. Oh, wow. It was, it was enormous. And I'm, I'm alive today because of how big that car was when it, when it finally did come to rest. So, uh, <laughs> so remember you, fondly. you wouldn't want to get it back right now. Like you wouldn't want to get that car back in your life. I don't, I don't have, I've done, I've, I've done it a few times to try to go back and kind of recapture, you know, and you, you remember it better than it, than, than it was. Yeah. What's up with that? Why is it when you want to recapture something and you go back, like recently I just showed my kids some stuff from the eighties and just doesn't hold up at all. Showed them masters of the universe. And it's like, some of it's like questionable. And I'm like, this is what I watched. This is why I'm the way I am. <laughs> Whatever. Um, the title oh, wait, sheet. I had yeah, go ahead. I, I, had a, I had a real quick uh, car story since you since you brought that up. Uh, I was just yeah, telling please, a, sure. it's, it's music related, of course. I was just telling a student of mine this the other day. Uh, I had a 78 Firebird. And it was awesome. Uh, you know, it was all engine, though. The rest of the car was rusting to pieces, falling apart. The unibody frame was completely gone. Uh, but that thing was fast and it was mm -hmm. awesome. Uh, but I got to a point where I was in school. I needed money. The car was needed so much work. Uh, so I sold it. Uh, I only got about $350 for it. That happened to be the price of a DW double bass drum pedal at the time. So that's what I traded it in for. That's pretty cool. I mean, that makes sense then. <laughs> that makes sense, right? I mean, yeah, it was no, not enough money to get another car. So I it's still it my favorite court. place to listen to music is in the car too, right? I mean, like, I don't know, the headphones are great, great and stuff like at home, but I love music in the car, you know? Scott, you got any car stories that uh, pertain to music? I'm not a car guy. I just wanted to get me from point A to B. My first car was a, the ugliest hatchback, beige. Uh, I think it was a no name. It was probably held together by spit and glue. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was enough to carry the equipment I needed from gig to gig at the time until it finally broke down and got a stick shift that I had to learn. That one lasted about two months. So I've been yeah. a pickup truck guy for years now pickup so, trucks are the best man it's a beautiful uh, thing you guys have a gig coming up uh this saturday october 16th uh at the kelly right correct so is this this isn't the first gig back since the pandemic right correct we were there during mm -hmm. um it was limited capacity as far as people being in there and they when everything went down they really stepped up and they started broadcasting like this so people can chime in. They do live YouTube live, Facebook live as well. And they have a couple of gentlemen that film it. Um, one handles that one handles the audio portion mm -hmm. of it. And then they're also handling what's live sound in the room at the time for everybody. So um, yeah, they're definitely keeping their hands busy. It's not quite like live music. You know, I, I recently um, we just saw our first show. It was at an outdoor festival a couple of weeks ago. And I forgot like, I didn't forget. I just missed it. You know, it's like there's nothing quite like it. And it's just so, so unfortunate the pandemic came along and derailed so many folks, you know, with their musical careers. But I was also thinking, too, it's like it's crazy. Like we're doing this all on Zoom right now. Like if I would have said to you, you know, a couple of years ago, Pat, when we were taking our trash out, like, hey, man, I'll see you on Zoom. You'd be like, what the hell are you talking about, Bob? You know what I mean? Like it's crazy how like everything changed in the course of just a bit. But music still stays constant and people still like it, you know, and um, it sounds a lot of like the stuff I've heard. Shades of Green, it really hits home and the conversations we never had 
tie-in. I mean, if I if I was a marketing guy, I would say you're, you're selling the book too with the T-shirt, right at the show. You got oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, we yeah. have um, we have thumb drives now, That's so cool. we have songs that are fully recorded, mixed, mastered for consumption. A couple have been on the radio, so we have the mm-hmm. thumb drives. As more songs are finished. Add them to the thumb drive, and that's sort of our go-to right now. We're trying to, um, you know, keep up with with the Joneses, as it were. You know, <laughs> we, the three of us, certainly here are, you know, product of the vinyl days and tape days and CDs and all that nature. And now it's like, okay, everybody is streaming and buying songs one off after another. We had to learn and are continuing to learn how to put one song out at a time. It was always all right. You have this, you know, this set of tunes till you have enough songs you record you put out an album whatever fashion it is and then that's how you do it sell it at, you know sell it at your performances and go from there so now it's like all right well we're doing the thumb drive and then absolutely having the book pat went through uh, quite an adventure just to get more of his own book so that yeah, was fun printing it right it's always a pain but um yeah so we'll definitely have the pairing available for this show and other upcoming ones we uh, fortunately already have three jobs booked uh both saint patty's and other dates around it in 2022 which is nice um I, i'm sure many bands have their horror stories when everything shut down you know we had the most amount of irish work already booked in and around saint patrick's day when all of them went to nothing yeah, so, it was it was uh, just a it was just a couple days before uh, St. Patrick's Day in uh, 2020 that um, you know that shutdown began. Uh, the 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 closing of liquor stores was it was almost like a sick joke. Like the closing of liquor stores was like a day, the day before St. Patrick's Day on St. Patrick's Day, right? Not Jim played uh, that Sunday. I want to say out in Delta. We played that Sunday. We had I think we had we had scheduled like five gigs in seven days, something like that. But we didn't get to the end of that. By the time that that uh, that whole stretch, it was like Super Bowl weekend for Saint, oh, you know, yeah. for Saint Patrick's Day for a Saint for a Irish band, and um, too. and it just got every day the news got worse and worse, and things started to shut down. And by the end, um, you know, all the bars, you know, everything was closed. Uh, I, I don't think anything at all was happening on Saint Patrick's Day. On Saint Patty's, yeah. yeah by the time we got to it, two days before, pulled the plug. Yeah, it's so sad, right? I mean. Nobody saw that coming. Yeah, you know, I forgot totally that they had the sick twisted joke closing the liquor stores on St. Patrick's Day. It was like hell, like on earth, like, you know, and then like, it's just weird, right? I want to come full circle back to something else. What was the instrument, uh, Pat, that sounds like you're uh, strangling somebody? Strangling? <laughs> I, I don't know that one. Strangling? Well, I just, just he uses a tape most- for that. <laughs> yeah, on the, on the most recent song, uh, I brought in this thing called a marching machine. It's uh, a, looks like a wooden checkerboard almost, and you you like hit it on on a wooden surface. I actually hit it on this large drum, uh, but it basically just sounds like a, an army marching. Because uh, this one tune that we have coming up is an instrumental tune that we're working on in the studio right now, and it's very uh, you know we're going for a Celtic vibe, maybe a almost a Lord of the Rings kind of. Uh, vibe to this song uh, I oh, do all percussion track. yeah yeah and I don't uh, you know I don't play the drum kit on this I play the bow drawn the spoons uh, this marching machine and some big like Celtic uh, Scottish toms uh, 
so that's that that's one of the ones we you know that I brought into the studio recently that most people haven't seen. Uh, you know, I went to school for music way back in the day, but we were in you know percussion ensemble, like uh, uh, you know, and there was in percussion ensemble in, in a college. There's so many strange instruments that you run across and play from different cultures and. Uh, you know, everything from playing a China symbol and dipping it down into a bin of water and, you know, and things like this marching machine, you know. So it's cool when I get an idea that, that fits with the band that I can bring some of that knowledge that, that I thought I would never use. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, those uh, strange um, percussion instruments. Um, the, the whole Lord of the, the Rings vibe. Definitely there was, you know, uh, when I was listening to the music, there is a world music vibe to it, like Americana, like, you know, vibe too as well. There's lots of different flavors, or I should say lots of different shades of green, not mm. flavors. Um, green is my favorite color, uh, coincidentally. <laughs> Throw that out there. Uh, Jim, uh, I have to bring it up just because I, I see um, back there on your door, you got yourself an Eagles poster did you happen to catch uh, that game today we're recording today on sunday october the 10th and uh, the eagles had their comeback against the carolina panthers yeah i was very gratified to see that i i didn't get a chance to i was traveling today and i didn't get a chance to see the whole thing but i did get a chance to uh uh sort of started with the third quarter really started to feel like there was a maybe a comeback on its way the panthers uh notoriously weak in the second half so they got they got it done. They got exactly what they needed. And hopefully, you know, got some momentum uh, going into the next couple games. Yeah. Hope Pretty excited so. about it. I'm excited too. Uh, Pat's a Steelers fan and uh, that doesn't bother me at all. I never understood why like people like you're like, I like the Eagles and the Eagles only. It's like, you could like, you know, we're living in Pennsylvania. Why wouldn't you like, you know, it's like somebody say, I only like the right side of the room. I don't like the left side of the room. I never go over there. It's like, come on, like makes no sense. I do hope the Eagles, you know, continue to go on to do good things. And I hope Shades of Green go on to do good things. Um, definitely check them out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this Saturday, they're going to be performing at the key. I'll put some information down in the podcast if you're subscribed. Um, definitely check them out. Uh, it's been a pleasure this Sunday evening spending it with you, fellas. Um, there's one track that we're going to play before we go out. And I was wondering if one of you could just give me like, you know, a brief like synopsis of what it means to you. Uh, the name of the song that we're going to end with tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is I'm Irish. Should How's be it? the theme of every St. Patrick's Day moving forward. Also was, note that Bob and I both yeah. have different shades of green above us as well, we, which is we do in our we room. Do. Yes. I'm Irish is 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 the call to arms. You know, it is we're not going to we're not going to take it's our we're not going to take it. <laughs> that's the greatest answer ever yeah because that's what i thought when i heard the song i was like oh this is definitely the closer it's song it's an anthem yeah it's a it's a celtic anthem and like you know people will will, will hear it and um I'll, I'll put some information down below and i'm definitely going to come check you guys out um super stoked pat to finally do this as well neighbor it's been a pleasure uh jim it was really nice to meet you and scott i wish you guys nothing but the best you too bob thank you it's great to talk to you I thank you guys. My name is Bob. Uh, this has been another thank episode you. of the Bobcast and taking us out is Shades of Green with I'm Irish. I guess I'm Irish. I got it from you. A temper like a
some stubborn bulls, a group of fighting, brawling souls, heavy drinkers, all these mix, getting drunk, they get their care. 